And the punishment was too severe? What's wrong with you people? Evangelical churches today are increasingly dominated by the spirit of this age rather than by the spirit of Christ. But yet, tragically, the popular evangelical authors and conference speakers today who are teaching that justification is by faith alone, but entering heaven is not by faith alone, there are other conditions to be met. A what? No holiness, no heaven. You don't get into heaven by faith alone. You get justified by faith alone. You get into a position where God is a hundred percent for you by faith alone. And in order to get into heaven, that faith must bear the fruit of love. You will find that it is you who are mistaken about a great many things. Back to the Reformation. It has been more than 500 years since the Reformation. The 21st century church has departed from the authority of scripture and the gospel. We welcome you to listen in as we go back to the Reformation. The views of this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the churches the hosts attend. Now witness the firepower of this fully armed and operational battle station. All right, well, welcome to the episode. In today's episode, we're going to talk about covenant theology as it relates to Christmas. And of course, I'm here with my co-host, Onik Sayanian, and we have some special guests. And Onik, who are our guests today? Our guests are uh, Roger Fyremian and Jason Matosian. Uh, these two gentlemen are from uh, soon to be uh, no more uh, Mount Ararat <laughs> Bible Church. <laughs> And uh, 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 Roger is an elder. Jason is uh, the uh, teaching pastor. And how you guys doing? Good. It's good to be here with you guys. You too. And can you please pronounce your church correctly, Onig? Uh, Can we mention it now? Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, why not? Uh, Well, the the name of the new church, we're... um, adopting a church in the uh, LA area and the name of the new church is the Mount Bible Church. Yep. And are we going to say of Winnetka or we're not going to say of Winnetka? No, no. Not, okay. not we won't, we won't we don't have to say it but if you want to say it to someone who lives near there you're welcome to. Okay. So it's in Winnetka. <laughs> in Winnetka, yeah. <laughs> yep. Praise God. Congratulations guys. Thanks. Yeah. The, the Lord has uh, given us uh, many gifts, uh, this being one of them. Uh, we're just really pleased, excited, and just in time for Christmas, but we won't start until after Christmas. So uh, we'll start in mid-January together uh, uh, moving forward. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Jason, for those who don't know about your podcast, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your podcast and the church? Because you guys are a 1689 Baptist church. So why don't you tell the audience? Roger, you, you, want to talk about the, you want to talk about the podcast? Sure. So we have a podcast that we uh, record every other week and we release a new episode. We talk about things of the Christian life and how it connects to theology, um, talk about counseling issues, and we also go through the 1689 uh, London Baptist Confession of Faith. We've been walking through that uh, chapter by chapter, or however you pronounce uh, the sections that we keep going back and forth in. 
Uh, but yeah, we talk about uh, a lot of different issues uh, uh, that pertain to our, our lives in Christ and have been doing that for a couple of years now since the pandemic uh, started. Excellent. And yeah, so for those your... that are listening uh, to this on our podcast, uh, why don't you guys tell us about your podcast, yeah. Matt and uh, Onik? Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. Well, anyway, Back to the Reformation is a podcast that we thought up about, uh, what, three years ago now? And Onig and I wanted to do a podcast where we interview theologians and pastors in uh, certain specialties. And the reason why we wanted to do this is because we wanted to ask the questions that most people would want to ask themselves. Um, so I am a layperson myself who is interested in theology, apologetics, philosophy, etc. Um, Onig is as well. And uh, since we are not teachers um, or pastors, um, even though we're interested in the fields, we wanted to interview the experts because we're not the experts, <laughs> even though we do have knowledge as Christians, of course, and we have an interest in studying privately. But that's why we really don't teach on our show either. This is kind of almost a one-off with you guys discussing topics because we're not pastors. I like how you guys have us on for discussions because uh, we're not really experts. It's good. You know, we're, we're with you. We, we get to have good conversations <laughs> with you. <laughs> but, but Jason, you are Dr. Matosian. You do have a PhD. And Roger, you do have a demon. So you guys are experts. He, he has demons, many of them. <laughs> that is true. And you have perfected the faith. So that's why we bring you on to help us to understand how to live in that perfection. Amen. Nice. <laughs> nice. So we, we can blame you guys if you, uh, if anything is taught incorrectly. So, <laughs> hey, can't you edit those things out? Come on. Oh, no. Yeah, right. No, I'm going to get back at you guys for not editing out me. <laughs> 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 maybe we'll just That's slip hilarious. that in again somewhere in this podcast episode yeah. <laughs> all right before waiting, we waiting for a slip up all right before we get out of hand here let's talk about our topic so today we're going to talk about christmas or covenant theology as it relates to christmas well a lot of people just think of christmas and reformed theology as two separate things right but actually they're very integral they're very important as how they relate to one another um so why don't we get started? A topic that we should discuss first off would be the covenant of redemption as it relates to Christmas. So the eternal covenant or the covenant of redemption would be the eternal covenant between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And or the pactum salutis. So Jason, why don't you lead us off and talk about how the pactum relates to Christmas? Well, that's a, a good question. One that you you got me thinking about when you sent the, the text saying, hey, let, let's talk about this. Um, and so, I mean, really, if you think about it, I, I, I was recently preaching on Psalm 110. And uh, I was thinking about, for instance, verse four of Psalm 110, which is quoted regularly in the New Testament. Uh, and the idea, I'm quickly turning there, where we have this language, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever 
after the order of Melchizedek. And verse one of that same Psalm, we see the distinction between the Lord Yahweh and who he's speaking to, this my Adonai, David's Adonai. Uh, and, and you really have this picture of something that happened in eternity past that between the father and the, and the son uh, that led to the work that Christ would come to do. There's this, uh, it, it can't be in time that we're talking about because there's something, uh, you know, eternal going on there where the Lord is saying to Adonai. And then of course he, he talks about the, you know, you are a priest forever. Well, Christ had not yet been born. Um, but it was in the incarnation that this is fulfilled. And so I think if you look at Psalm 110, you've got some sense of the, the pactum, some sense of the covenant of redemption there. Uh, looking forward to the priestly work that Christ would accomplish, and he'd have to be incarnated for that purpose. Amen. Absolutely. I think Psalm 2, by the way, does something similar, um, uh, where you've got the language of decree in Psalm 2. Uh, in verse seven, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Well, that, that mm-hmm. decree is in eternity past, even though in Christ's earthly life, we at the baptism, for instance, uh, we see him, that, that language being spoken to him, where there's this revealing of something that was already eternal uh, uh, taking place there. So it's kind of neat looking through the Psalms uh, and and seeing the language of the the covenant there. Yes, I mean it also relates to the prophecies that we see in the old covenant as well, like Isaiah seven fourteen. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Mm-hmm. Amen. This was all planned in the eternal covenant before any everything else from eternity past and all the way to the incarnation. And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, even the act of obedience of Christ relates to that. Onig, why don't you talk about the act of obedience of Christ and how it relates to um, Christmas? Uh, Well, in Christ's act of obedience, uh, we're referring to his uh, fulfilling of the law uh, in every aspect, right? And it even comes down to his uh, we were just talking about earlier his incarnation, his incarnation being um, born through the line of David and uh, fulfilling um, all the uh, prophecies, um, speaking of uh, the Messiah being born through the line of David and so on. In addition to that, uh, being born um, in the likeness of in our in our very likeness so that he can be a, a perfect representative um so and on top of that uh, uh earning his place as the one who has fulfilled all parts of the law uh in regards to um uh, the mosaic and so on and uh and so that he can be uh the perfect uh, substitute representative for mankind in regards to uh, um, not only an atoning sacrifice, but providing a uh, 
a proper, a, a perfect righteousness to those who trust in him. You know, Amen. Galatians, Galatians four has the, the language there, right? Uh, verse four and five, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of woman, as Onig was pointing out, human, like us, like his brothers and sisters, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and uh, born under the law so that he might fulfill the law. So he might live out uh, that righteousness that the law required that we could not uh, on our own in Adam uh, accomplish. So yeah, the, the act of righteousness of Christ is a, a major element of why the incarnation. Yeah. Amen. I mean, the incarnation is not just one way he could have done it, but the only way that he could have done it to Amen. save us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So the perfect law keeper for lawbreakers. Yeah. Amen. Which is why Paul puts his hope, right? He says in, in Philippians 3, it's not in a righteousness that's his own, mm -hmm. uh, but the righteousness that comes from God by faith in, in Christ. So important to keep that in mind. The, the purpose of Christmas is not a cute story of, you know, a, an infant being born. That infant had to be born so that he could grow up and live uh, and, and live perfectly so that we might uh, be saved. So what covenant was he fulfilling in his incarnation? The covenant of works. That's uh, right. Through, through the... I, can I say it? The republication of the Mosaic from the Mosaic covenant. And there's, there's uh there's debate on that, but uh, that's what, at least what I hold to. I, I was going to say, Matt, interestingly, I mean, the incarnation could be considered also fulfillment of the covenant of redemption as well. Absolutely. Right. No, absolutely. So it, it kind of, it all comes together in, in the it incarnation. Does. I suppose we would be able to say it's an aspect of the covenant of, grace as well so the incarnation brings it all um together uh in in some ways that's right i mean there there there's a relationship there um the covenant of grace was promised all the way back in genesis 315 when yeah. it was when it was discussed that the woman shall crush the serpent's head right or bruise the serpent's head now that's known as the proto gospel, the the uh, the proto evangelion or evangelion, however you want to pronounce it, mm -hmm. and that's what we see when we come to the incarnation. As Jesus does, he is victorious over Satan on the cross, right? Yeah. Amen. Well, you know, I it just and, and another thought just came to my mind as we're thinking about the covenants, uh, the incarnation is required for the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant uh, as well as aspects, obviously, of the covenant of grace, but that he might be born in the lineage of David so that a son of David, the greater son of David, would reign on that throne forever and ever. I mean, Christmas is replete <laughs> with these important covenantal images, uh, and yeah, we, we need to think about them. Amen. I think that the, you know, the, go ahead, Roger. Go ahead, oh, the, you know, thinking about even how uh, the confession, the London Baptist confession kind of ties all of it together. Uh, mm -hmm. Let me read to you when it talks about God's covenant. 
Uh, it says the co this covenant is revealed in the gospel. It was revealed first of all to Adam in the promise of salvation through the seed of the woman. After that, it was revealed step by step until the full revelation of it was completed in the New Testament. This covenant is based on the eternal covenant transaction between the Father and the Son concerning the redemption of the elect. Only through the grace of this covenant have those uh, saved from among the descendants of fallen Adam obtained life and blessed immortality. Humanity is now utterly incapable of being accepted by God on the same terms on which Adam was accepted in his state of innocence, kind of bringing all three of the covenants together and talking about how revealed in the gospel, which is revealed when Christ comes in his incarnation and then his, you know, his perfect life, death and resurrection. So Amen. way to go to the confession. I love it, Roger. We, we, we talk about Mary at um, Christmas. We have all the stories of the manger and how Jesus was in a manger, um, you know, with, you know, like in a little bed and everything's all comfortable and, you know, but people don't realize that what he was born actually was in a, uh, uh, what's called uh, how would you what would you say it is uh, but anyway it's basically where a cow feeds out of that's what it would be that he was actually put in that in, a, the, in the in the manger but there's another name for it what is that feeding called? feeding trough feeding trough feeding trough yeah thanks anyway but the feeding trough and but it shows the humility right of the incarnation about Jesus coming down and dying for his creatures. It's, I mean, it's it's rather amazing. And we, you know, we again talking about we talk about Mary. Well, that the the seed right that was promised all the way back in Genesis is right there. We see that seed, and that seed lives a perfect life and goes to that cross for sinners, and lays down his life for his sheep. Amen, amen. And and I mean, think about. Think about how that promise just carries forward throughout the scriptures until the fullness of time, as Paul says. Um, and so you've got Abraham and the promised seed, and then you've got the the seed kind of at risk with the the patriarchs and how many times it's you're uh -huh. going, what's going to happen here and how's that? But the Lord has this perfect, glorious plan uh, that He's going to accomplish through the seed. And the seed being uh, the son of God taken on flesh. So, yeah. And, and to make to make Christmas uh, anything less than the mystery of God's decree kind of revealed is missing something. Right. We're missing out on something really important in Christmas. Amen. I have one more uh, one more thing or one more uh quote to share this is a, from a book talking kind of about the storyline of scripture and 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 bringing it all together and in going from the seed to the work of christ uh i like how he said it makes sense to what, me adam what book what book I'll, excuse me uh, it's not Richard it. baxter is it <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'll bring that next time for you matt all right <laughs> Uh, I'll get it for you in a second, but let me uh, <laughs> let me just read it and okay. then uh, you guys can discuss it. So Adam failed, Israel flunked, but by his grace, God preserved them until that son of Eve crushed the serpent to free them from sin and death. 
Christ prevailed and rose victorious as a righteous one. We have eternal life and justification, not because we have kept a covenant of works, but through the works of another freely given to us by faith. Amen. Probably not Baxter. Amen. Uh, right. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound like Baxter. <laughs> Who was that again, Roger? That so- was uh it was Zachiel in the unfolding war uh the unfolding word, uh his mm. his book. Actually, I want to get that one. His his book with Michael Brown is excellent. I would encourage the listening audience to get that. Yeah, great introduction on the covenant. What was it called? Sacred Bond, I think. Is that yeah. the one? That's a fantastic book. Yeah. Very good introduction to covenants. Yeah. Thanks for that, Roger. Yeah, definitely. Um, these are important truths. People think that, you know, we're just talking abstract theology. And no, it's just, this is really the, the meat of Christianity. So let's let's talk a little more here. Uh, is there any other covenantal fulfillment in the incarnation that we see? So we've talked about Genesis and the Proto-Evangelion. We've talked about uh, the Abrahamic covenant. We've looked at the Davidic covenant. Uh, again, all these under the covenant of grace. We've talked about how it's a fulfillment of the covenant of works that Adam couldn't fulfill, and which is why he had to take on our human flesh. Um, those are all huge, so important. Is there any other angle that we should be thinking about these, uh, the, you know, Christmas and the covenants? Because in, intriguing uh, thought when you texted it to us, what, what more is there in this? Because there's got to be uh, even more. I think you said this unfolding plan from eternity past, which is so comforting. Uh, for the for God's people, this is right. not an accident. This is not a, um, yeah, right. This is not Plan B for the Lord, right? You know, th- this is not the cleanup time. You know that the Lord, you know, is the eternal janitor who jumps in here when things don't go right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and Christmas and and uh, Good Friday, and of course Resurrection Day, are really one. Right, they don't make sense without the other. We we need we need this this. Uh, we don't want to separate these holidays too much. Now, would you guys agree with that? Absolutely, that's right. They're all interconnected. I mean, it's great that we have a focus upon the you know the birth of Christ, but you know it's not just the birth of Christ. It's his whole life. It's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have redemption. Now. Matt, we, we lost you for a second, so we want to amen what you said, but we're not sure what you said. Okay. So, yeah, I could have said something heretical, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, basically, what I said, what I said, and I want to you'll have it on the, on the recording, is I said... I'm not editing this. What I said is, as much as, as important as our focus is on the birth of Jesus at this time and how great that is and important. We have to remember that our redemption is encompassed in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and it's so important to think about, cause some people wonder, you know, why, why couldn't, why couldn't Christ have been sacrificed at birth? Have you guys been asked that question? That's a good question. 
I mean, first of all, it wasn't the Lord's plan for that to be the case, right? Yeah. right. Otherwise, it, otherwise, it would have happened that way. I mean, look at, do you have Herod going after him and yep. Amalek? I mean, you have all these kinds of circumstances that rise up in Scripture. Well, yeah, he could have been killed easily. Yeah. But wouldn't it, it, you know, if you think about that question, you leave out the actual fulfillment of Christ's life. It's not just he was the perfect baby born, the ultimate sacrifice in his life. He's fulfilling what we could not fulfill, the works mm -hmm. that we could never do to earn righteousness. He earns it for us. So you take away the act of obedience of Christ in that and you go right from his birth to his death. You the, the unfolding of the story gets lost then. It, it simplifies it to a point mm -hmm. where we're not seeing now how is God's law now fulfilled. It isn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. And, you, and you you see then the importance of all of a sudden this public ministry that takes place after 30 years or so of living on earth where he takes on the, the role of true Israel, right? The, the, the true son of God when he is sent out to be tempted and defeats you know, resists the temptation, the tempter. Um, it's so interesting, you know, all righteousness fulfilled. That's why he gets baptized and then he gets sent out. And um, you think about why, why not just as a child? And I, I think you're right, Roger. I think there's so much there to the life that Christ is to live in our place that would be missed. Now, can I say that we wouldn't, he wouldn't have the perfect righteousness as an infant, I don't think I we can say that, but it's there's something maybe at least for us to to be able to know and understand what he's accomplished for us. We need his life. There's probably more than that. I'm I'm just kind of throwing things out there right now. No, yeah, yeah, I would I would say he was righteous even as an infant, but mm -hmm. his righteousness as a person um wasn't, shall I dare say, uh enough because he had to represent us with a righteousness that was that fulfilled uh the covenant and the covenant of works and so he had to live a life um, that fulfilled that covenant and like you mentioned jason he had to be baptized and said himself that this is to fulfill all righteousness and so if he didn't fulfill all righteousness he wasn't satisfying the covenant and therefore would not uh would not be able to would not be able to be our substitute and impute his righteousness to us because uh what righteousness is he imputing his personal mm -hmm. holy righteousness or the one that he worked for uh, on earth mm -hmm. uh, in his human flesh that's that's interesting and i wonder if that that language in um uh, in parts of the new testament he you know i think in hebrews he learned obedience obedience right um, that that language there so important for for the 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 covenant of works and active righteousness sake. So yeah, that that's interesting. Yeah, like like in Romans eight, right eight three, uh, where it says, "For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin He condemned sin in the flesh." Right in order mm -hmm. that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk according to the flesh, who, who walk not according to the flesh, excuse me, but according mm -hmm. to the spirit. So it was done because he had to 
uh, work and attain um, and test and show that he is righteous and attain it in the flesh so he can it can be imputed to us as well yeah Amen. at least that's my understanding please show me if i'm wrong now you got to bring in a covenant expert to talk through some of this stuff but that's my understanding too <laughs> yeah absolutely amen um it's important to understand too that you know yes that jesus did um in a temporal way submit to the will of the father um throughout his life now he doesn't he is not subordinate now that he is with the father and that's important to remember because that's a current debate that's going on right now that he's eternally subordinate but no he is temporally subordinate to the father at this time when he is born in a manger and lives his life perfectly so there is that we have to remember that jesus did submit to the will of the father during his earthly ministry well and keep in mind that's only according to his human nature right we want to make sure that's that's clear too right and that's why i'm saying you know the incarnation you know he's fully man fully god yeah can we say now in currently that christ is serving as a mediator in uh in intercession in heaven for us mm. mm-hmm. uh, so matt when you were talking about his life uh his birth, his life, his death, burial, resurrection. I think we should also include his ascension. Yeah. Right. Which points to his intercession for us. Right. And he had to be fully God, right? And fully man, because the fact is, is we needed the perfect sacrifice. Yeah. Um, there's no way that he had a perfect righteousness that we could never attain ourselves. Yeah. Now, Matt, uh, I was telling our elders, we're going to try to use truly God and truly man Rather than fully I, God and fully man, but I'm just—I know what you mean. Yeah, well, you're—I'm just like R.C. Sproul correcting John MacArthur at that point, right? right. <laughs> uh, R.C. Sproul, you said verily, man, verily God. I oh, did he really? Yeah. <laughs> but but you are—I I would say that's that might be even better. Truly God and truly man. Yes, we don't we we don't want to say a hundred a hundred. We don't want right. to say that. Which which. I, I would bet we probably not that I'm a betting man, but I, I, I would guess that we all have done that many a time. Uh, I know I have. I used to say 100 percent, 100 percent and have people right. look at me like and I've never been good at math. So that works working fine for me. But, um, you know, but yeah, truly God, truly man. Amen. Whatever <laughs> it means to be God, he is whatever it means to be man. He became. Right. I guess so, we're and, trying to be consistent with all the for all the mathematicians, right? That's right. Yep. So when we when we talk about um, again when we talk about covenant theology and we talk about Christmas, um, again I want to reiterate that these are really practical things that we're talking about. Really practical categories. They're not something abstract that some theologian can only understand, but this is something that our listeners could really grasp hold of and really make it meaningful and this time not only at this time but every time we think about these things in relation to who god is and what he has done for us yeah and maybe matt maybe it would be good um to just quickly recap the 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 three basic covenants so that our listeners would be real clear especially our listeners maybe we we may not have gone into all that uh as in depth i know you guys had 
Leon uh, for a few uh, episodes right. where he went in quite a bit of depth. So that's um, correct. You know, but the covenant of redemption, this eternal covenant between father and son uh, that he would come and accomplish the work that was necessary for his people, that his elect might be saved. Uh, and then you've got the covenant of works in the garden with Adam and Eve, with Adam particularly, that if you obey, you live. If you disobey, you die. And, uh, of course, he disobeyed. And uh, if anyone was then to live, if any human was to live, uh, there had to be something more. And the covenant of grace is uh, the, the response, in a sense, to the fall. And it is a, the covenant that uh, God will graciously save those in Christ uh, by faith because of the work Christ is going to accomplish in our place. Yeah, most definitely. I guess I miss anything. That's great. That's wonderful. Uh, I think, I guess we can also um, maybe on another podcast, talk about how all of that is imputed to us through faith. How Mm -hmm. do we grasp onto Christ and what instrument? Obviously we know that it's by faith alone. Maybe that'd be a great topic for an, another podcast. Yeah, it's by by faithfulness alone. I mean, no, by what was that, Onig? Sorry, I'm sorry. I, I can't hear Jason. We need to kick him out. <laughs> this is for for your listeners who uh, got a good dose of that. Uh, I don't know when it was. You guys did a couple months ago. A good episode on on federal vision stuff, where this this faithfulness concept, unfortunately gets brought in rather than, as we know, by faith alone as the instrument which appropriates the work that Christ alone accomplishes in our place. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. This is very important. There's often a confusion of what faith is, a confusion of faith and obedience. Yeah. Faith is the instrumental cause. Faith is a passive instrument. It is not an active instrument. We are active in our sanctification. There is no doubt. God sanctifies us and there are fruits of repentance, but they are not the same thing. They are not to be confused with faith. And um, I think it's we have to constantly be bringing that up to make that a point because there is so much confusion when it comes to that these days. Um, and it's great to think about Christmas again because of what Christ has done for us that we could never accomplish it on ourselves. We can never obey enough to earn salvation for ourselves. There yeah, is it, no, su- no, there's no such, there's no such thing as initial justification and final salvation. <laughs> Look, if that were not the case, I was thinking about this since we're thinking about Christmas. Uh, can this, if we did have some role in our salvation at all, could, could these words be true from the angel to uh, the shepherds fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people uh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. I, I, I think about it. That wouldn't be good news of great joy. Uh, it would be, you know, potentially helpful news. If I thought that somehow I could uh, merit in any way, you know, through my faithfulness, my own living or whatever, 
but for no, those of us who know ourselves, the only good news of great joy is that Christ has done it all uh, from A to Z. Yep, absolutely. Amen. Praise God. Yeah, again, there's nothing we can do. I mean, there's nothing we can do to earn favor with God. Only by trusting in what his son has done will we have eternal life. That's it. Yeah. Amen. And that's Christmas, right? That's the message uh, of Christmas in, in a nutshell. And it's glorious. So now we can go celebrate, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> we can wear ugly sweatshirts. No, no, sweaters. Oh, I wore a sweatshirt. <laughs> Disqualified <laughs> yourself. I think you're I think you're wearing a Star Wars Christmassy shirt, aren't you? Yeah, I'm just trying to paganize Christmas as much as possible. Nice. <laughs> that's you good. have you have one of the newer droids on your shirt though, so that doesn't count. It's not yeah, if it's, it's not our if it's not R2. I'm sorry. This is, a, this is a non-canon shirt. Oh man. <laughs> Oh boy. We have to bring Star Wars and everything, right? I mean, they, or I should say they have to bring Star Wars and everything. I think this whole podcast just derailed. Yeah. <laughs> Roger, save us. Say something There's good. No hope. There's no hope for you guys. Sorry. Mm. Wasn't a new hope. The, one of the episodes in Star Wars. <laughs> the first right. one oh, so, come out. oh, the first one right. or the fourth so then, one actually. So now we're gonna so we're, now we're gonna start giving an analogies of redemptive history and Star Wars, right? How? No, only Harry uh. Potter analogies work well. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The Lord of the Ring analogies. Um, <laughs> yeah, there is some there. That's for sure. No doubt about it. We can avoid the Catholicism, but everything else, you know. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, beautiful guys. I think this was an interesting topic to talk about, and I think it's an important topic and. No, that's not something that basically people should shy away from because there is a connection here. There's a connection with covenant theology, which I think is just biblical, um, that relates to every type of uh, holiday that we're celebrating in relation to the Christian faith, whether it's whether it's Resurrection Sunday, Easter, or whether it's Christmas. Um, you know, on and on. Amen. So anyway, you guys, uh, why don't we wrap it up now? We're running out of time, unfortunately. Um, Oneg, how can people reach us for Back to the Reformation? Uh, they can reach us uh, by email at info at bttrmin.org or backtothereformation at gmail.com. You can go to our website, bttrmin.org. And we're on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube and so on absolutely awesome and actually where can people listen to us as well apple oh, google oh i didn't hear you say that you can yeah. edit that out <laughs> Sorry, I, didn't, I, didn't hear that. I didn't hear that okay roger why don't you ask jason or jason why don't you ask roger where i'll ask are. roger roger where can we be reached we can be reached by email at feedback at rodandstaff.org. And if you have any complaints on the episode, Jason at Mount. <laughs> and we're also found on all the podcasts. We're on Apple. Uh, we're on Amazon, Spotify. And just search us up and you'll find us and uh, subscribe to the episodes. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you for joining Oneg and me. 
and um, vice versa. And you've been listening to another episode of Back to the Reformation podcast. We hope you join us next time. See ya.